Hey everybody, how's it going? Thank you for tuning in to today's show. Uh, today we have another veteran on the show. His name is Derek Weedhaas. I hope I pronounced that properly. Um, De Derek is the owner of White Pine Bison, uh, located in Pembroke, Ontario, and he is a vet of 22 years and 299 days. So Derek, today we're going to talk to him about his military history, what got him into the military, how we got, how he got the ball rolling, um, and then how he got into bison farming. Because one, Ontario is not known for bison, and two, it's completely different than his trade. He was a MSE op, which essentially is a truck driver in the military, for those of you who don't know. So I'm really interested to hear that story and go back and forth and shoot the shit. Vetra Welding is your go-to site for your off-road fabrication needs. Need some race-tested brackets, tabs, and trusses for your daily driver, weekend trail rig, or your full tube chassis? Veteran Welding has you covered. Need advice on which parts you should use for your project rig? Veteran Welding has you covered. Or do you want to learn how to weld, but you can't find anybody to teach you because you really want to start expanding your skill set for either work or your personal project at home? Veteran Welding now has you covered with our online courses. Currently, we offer a TIG 101 course and we'll be adding a MIG 101 soon. For all of your off-road fabrication needs, head on over to veteranweldingcompany.ca. Hey everybody, if you're enjoying this show, please consider heading over to Patreon and supporting this channel. Doesn't matter how much you decide to support us with, it all goes straight into the show so we can sit there and spend more time on here helping you guys out, whether it's bringing you more interviews, talking to industry leaders, systems that we are developing, putting into place, helping you develop systems, manage your team. That's what we're here for, guys, is to help you out. So please, if you are getting value out of this, head on over to Patreon and help support us. Before we step off with today's episode, I want to say a thank you to our sponsor, Canada Welding Supply. If you guys are in the market for anything in the welding industry, head on over to canadaweldingsupply.ca. We use them for all of our consumables here at the shop. Everything from MIG wire, TIG wire, grinding discs, zip discs, flap wheels, buffing wheels, you name it, they have it. Matt Crimmy and the entire team there are phenomenal, they're knowledgeable, and I highly recommend CanadaWeldingSupply.ca for all of your consumable needs. Hey everybody, how's it going? Thank you for tuning in to today's show. Uh, today we have another veteran on the show. His name is Derek Weedhaas. I hope I pronounced that properly. Um, De Derek is the owner of White Pine Bison, uh, located in Pembroke, Ontario, and he is a vet of 22 years and 299 days. I think he's the only person I know that is more precise with their release date than I am. Um, <laughs> so Derek, today we're going to talk to him about his military history, what got him into the military, how we got, how he got the ball rolling, um, and then how he got into bison farming. Because one, Ontario is not known for bison, and two, it's completely different than his trade. He was a MSE op, which essentially is a truck driver in the military, for those of you who don't know. Um, so I'm really interested to hear that story and go back and forth and shoot the shit. So, Derek. Welcome to the show. Hey, thank you, Chris. Thank you. Thank Appreciate you. it. Appreciate you nope. having me on the show. No problem. So, why, right. why don't you give us the 
your two minute rundown of how you got in into the military. What influenced you to do that? Well, I was in uh, Sault Ste. Marie at the time. Um, I was in college, taking law and security. Really didn't like the course, hated it. Didn't want to be a cop. Um, one day I was delivering firewood in the, in the Sioux, going down uh, from the armories. I happened to see all these uh, guys in uniform. So I went in, checked it out. And then about a week later, I signed up for the military. And honestly, I wanted to get away from, uh, just get away from home at the time. So okay, that's why I joined the military. Yeah. And, and that was in 94, Nine, correct? 1994, yeah. So I joined the reserves in 1994. I didn't get my trees course until 1996. It was a couple years uh, there. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I was a reserve from 1996 till uh, 19, just 1998. Um, after I came back from uh, Bosnia in July, then I got out for, I think, uh, six months and I got back in. Then I did a component transfer over the regular course in uh, 99. Okay. So, nice. Yeah. And then what, what trade were you with? Because you, you did an OT at some point, right? Yeah, I did an OT. I did the component transfer from reserve to reg force. I was an MSC op as a reservist, and I was an MSC op as reg force. So I did the component transfer in 1999. Oh, okay. So you, so you didn't go yeah. like... Uh, vehicle tech to MSC op. You were just you've been MSC op the whole time. I've been MSC op the whole time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. Nice. Yeah. Like, I should have went like Mac tech or firefighter or something like that. So <laughs> a trait that actually is useful after the military. Yeah, not not a whole lot transfers out from the military. Well, directly anyway. No, no. which is unfortunate because it should. Exactly. So, especially. Yeah, as an MSC op, especially in my trade, at the, I was an air brake instructor from uh, 2010 till 2017, and uh, teaching that course almost every week, like it's uh, it gets monotonous after a while. But also at the same time, it, it, if that transferred over to City Street, it would be pretty cool because then you could teach at colleges and so on and so forth, right? Yeah. So, but stuff like that, yeah. so on and so forth. No. It's 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 the same thing with MSC op though, because I remember be, when I was at Sea Squadron before I got out, there was uh, one of the road wheels sheared off the actual hull of the vehicle, or the idle, the arm itself, sorry, and they had to like drill it out and then get a welder in there to essentially weld the unit on so they can pull it out, and I'm like, oh okay, cool. So I'm like you know picking their brain at that time, I was fairly new to welding. And we're sitting there and we're talking, going back and forth. I'm like, okay, so you, you're a journeyman then. You can just go work Civvy Street. He's like, no, no, it doesn't work like that. They, they, train you, they train us to the point where we can do the job and then that's it. They don't give us any civilian qualifications because they don't want guys to sit there. And I guess, like back, I, I guess they were doing it back in like the late 70s and 80s where they get their trade and then, you know, Asta La Vista, pop smoking, they'd be gone. So I, I kind of see why they did it, but I don't agree with it at all. That's kind of, it's pretty greasy if you ask me, but it is what it is. So uh, that's the government. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no argument here. Um, but anyway, so we're sitting there. You did all that. When did farming come into the picture? Was it 
did, did you were you at some point like I'm going to become a farmer, and you were just were interested in farming, and then over time bison popped up, or was it boom right off the hop? No, I want to be a bison farmer. Like, how did this go, and and why? Yeah, well, I've lived in the country my whole life, um, around farmers and farms and so on and so forth. Um, but uh, it really didn't hit home until I moved back up to Petawawa in 2006. I bought 10 acres of land in Cobden. I lived there for a year and then sold it before I bought this place. But my first income tax at that time in that household, um, I had a had an owe like three grand to the military or to the government, sorry, for income tax. So I was talking to the accountant, and the accountant's like, so, well, you have 10 acres. You can actually use, uh, if you actually use that as a farm, you could actually lower lower your uh, income through the farm so you won't have to pay taxes to the government, so on and so forth. So I was like, really? So educate me more on this. So the accountant educated me more on this. Um, so I bought this 105-acre farm here. Uh year later um and then what got me into bison is that they're just beautiful majestic animals man like um this property here there was no barn like i sure i had barns and i have outbuildings but i can't put cows or horses in the in the outbuildings of the barns because they're falling down they're over 100 years old like my old hip barn is uh, was built in 1900s and it's just starting to fall down now like she i have to take her down this this uh, this summer so um that was another reason why I picked bison because bison can be outside all year round, 365 days a year. Uh, they're low maintenance, um, unlike cattle. Cattle is very, very high maintenance. Um, for to take care of one cow, it's five hundred dollars a day to take care of them because you got your. Well, I should say five hundred dollars a day, but five hundred dollars a month, um, because you got your hay, you have your food, you got your vet. Um, they're. they're they're like the stupid cousins that always get hurt. You know what I mean? Like they're worse than horses. They'll 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 walk into a fence and and somehow uh, open their open themselves up, and then you got to call the vet to get them out and so on and so forth. Bison aren't like that, man. If they you get them into a nice pen, you leave them alone. You respect their their space. They'll respect your space. And as long as you're feeding them, you're giving them good hay, they're gonna stay in there. They're not gonna mess around with that gate whatsoever. Okay. All right. Yeah. yeah. I, I knew doing cattle was expensive. I didn't know it was roughly 500 a month. That's, that's it's a, about that. That's, it's about that. It's about $500 a month for one cow. But also at the same time, like um, most of these beef farmers here, there's, there's nothing around here but beef. And, and I didn't want to compete with that. And plus bison, bison's a healthier meat. It's higher protein, higher iron, higher in selenium high in omega-3s, so omega-6s. It's a much uh, healthier meat out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, I just love the taste of bison meat, but also at the same time, it's double the price of beef. Okay. So whatever beef bison's double the pr- double the price. Yeah. So. Well, that's not bad. So, no, that's not bad. So aside from that, what else made you... Was it just the accountant that was just like, you need to get into farming? Um, but was there anything else? Like, was it just like something you've always had an interest in or curious about or? No, I always had an interest in farming, even when I was a little kid. Um, when I was lived, my bus driver, when I lived in Plainfield, Ontario, um, 
he was my bus driver, but he also had a 105-acre farm. He had uh, herders on his farm. So I'd, I'd go sneak over there and just look at the cows, watch the cows, watch what they do, so on and so forth. And, and everywhere else I went, we just, we moved. If we moved to other, near other farms, I just went out and just watched and looked what the animals were doing or try to help out and so on and so forth, right? As, as I got older as a teenager, I'd go over to the next neighbors and help them out, so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. So... No, I always wanted to get into farming. It's uh, um, the main reason why I bought this place is because I didn't want to. One, I did not want to live on base. Two, I wanted didn't want to live in Pembroke or Petawawa just because it's too close to base. And three, I wanted after I'm done work, I'm done work. I didn't want to be around the people that I work with. Like yeah. I'm with them more more than I am with my family. So when I'm done there, I'm done there. So I'm 30 minutes away from from base. That's perfect amount of time. Like it takes me 30 minutes to drive in the base, 30 minutes home. So it's nice. And when I'm home, it's quiet. I don't, I don't hear uh, sirens, ambulances, nothing. Yeah, no, no guns, no planes, no. Oh, that must be two R- or one RCR on exercise or something well, like that. Well, you still get the guns, like the artillery, when they're out. You can actually feel feel the the earthquake. Some of the, the ground shaking out here. Mm-hmm. Um, helicopters, we have 450 squadron and 427. They're flying over here with the Chinooks and the Griffins all the time. And same with the Hercs. They circle around this area. So it's uh, so we still have that. But it's not as bad as uh, as it would be if you're on base. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So. Okay. Well, so where is Cobden then? Because it, the last time I was in Pet was 08. Cobden is out near Golden Lake, or am I thinking of somewhere else? No, you're thinking somewhere else. Cobden is going towards Ottawa. Golden Lake's going towards uh, Killaloo. That's right. Okay. You're on Highway 60 there on uh, Golden Lake. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. That's where I go get fuel for the truck. It's cheaper fuel. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> um, okay, so... How how big is your operation there? Like, is it it's just you and the misses, or is it you and a group of guys, or? No, it's just uh, Janice and I. Janice and I. Uh, she does all the accounting and all the finances and all that. She runs the books. I'm the one outside the uh, watering and feeding the uh, the bison and all that. And then uh, once we get some more equipment, then we're gonna start uh, uh, brush hogging or not or mulching down the fence line so we can get the. Uh, the new metal fence up because they'll be used in a three inch diameter metal uh, drill rod from up north. Yep. They're 10 feet long. So I'll put, put them three feet, uh, three to four feet in the ground, and then they'll have at least seven feet high left out of the ground so I can put my, uh, my new fence up, which is going to be six feet, three inches high for all my perimeter fence. Then all my interior fence will be regular five foot fence. Nice. So. Just simply because bison can jump six feet off of a standstill, and they can run 55 uh, kilometers per hour. What? So, yeah, they're they're agile, man. They're they can turn on a dime quicker than Mario or Luigi and Mario Kart, man. They're quick. I'm serious. <laughs> okay, all right. That's yeah, a reference I've never heard before. <laughs> I would not. I would never have a have in my life imagined that because the the only time I've ever seen bison is in the wild like so when my wife and i when we were heading north i think i told you this on the our phone call there a couple weeks ago um when we were heading north 
we were driving up, I, I believe it was northern BC or it was one of those parts in northern BC where it jogs into the Yukon and then back and forth a million and one times. But anyway, I remember sitting there and it was like a long straightaway and it's just like, oh, there's a broken down truck or something like that on the side of the road. And we're just driving for like half an hour and it's like, it's not moving and it's getting bigger. And it was a freaking bison. It, it was one of the satellite bison from the herd in the area. And like, I slowed right down and I looked over at him, like in my truck that I drove up there was the F-150. And it's like, what the hell? Like th this thing is like three quarters the size of the truck. And it just like looked over at me and it's just like, I'm not gonna bother you. I'm just gonna let you, leave you be. It, massive, I, could, I would never imagine that those things could jump like six feet in the air. Oh yeah. But that bison that you saw probably was a woodland bison. He's the, they're, they're much bigger than plains bison. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. 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 So the guys that I have on my property, the plains bison, they're a little bit smaller than the woodlands, but the woodlands are, are pretty big beasts. Yeah. Yeah. No, we, on the way back, we passed through that herd and there, there was probably about, I'd say at least 150 head in that herd. And they were all of, that average size and it's just like yep. oh my god like if one of these guys wanted to charge the truck there there's nothing we could do absolutely nope. nothing nope you'd be go you'd be toast yeah but okay so what so between the two herds then it's, it's just size there's no um there's no genetic difference uh no genetic difference, no, just in, in the size, I believe. Um, like the with the plains bison, you see the hump on the back of their neck. That's their muscle to let them still forage in the wintertime. I'm pretty sure that's the same on the woodland bison because they, they have to forage in the wintertime too to push all that snow out of their way so they can still get down to the grass. Yeah. And plus, the uh, bison has been the original, has been the only animal to be the original um, uh, grass-fed animal throughout time ever since the 1800s they don't eat anything but grass-fed they're that's that's their normal normal feeding oh. they always eat grass so on and so forth so because if you try to finish them off with oats or with anything else all you're going to do is you're going to kill them sooner than later because it will burn their heart having too much oats will burn their heart tip. why it's just the way that they're made, man. They're not made to eat oats. Okay. Hmm. All right. Because there was a there was a there was a study done in Saskatchewan, I believe, and also in uh, Manitoba between the two universities. They had a herd in Saskatchewan on grass fed, and they had a herd on in Manitoba uh, on oats and so on and so forth. And I believe the herd in in, uh, in Manitoba, sure they had marbling inside their meat and so on and so forth. But they, their life expectancy was decreased by a couple of years compared to the, the herd in, in Saskatchewan, right? But the herd in Saskatchewan, you got a lot better meat out of it because you're not getting all that, all the genetics or all that, um, all the crap that's inside the, the the oats nowadays that they put like the GMOs and stuff. Yeah. When it's grass fed, it's grass fed. You're not getting all that, all that other uh, substance that's uh, making people sick. Yeah. When you first brought this up, it was, it, it was, it made me think kind of like the, anybody who's, um, 
I can't remember if it's gluten intolerant. Or, no, it's gluten because um, it's wheat. Uh, stuff like that. So my wife, she she can't eat gluten at all. Um, <clears throat> when we went to Italy, we sat there and she's like, I. She had a hard enough. T- we had a hard enough time communicating. We didn't want to add in that extra thing of, is it gluten free? Uh, but anyway, we found out that's that, that's not a thing over there because their strain of wheat and barley and all that, it's it's untouched. They don't do any of that shit. And so she like pasta like two or three times a day, bread every meal, the whole nine yards, and it didn't bother her an ounce. So it 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 sounds kind of kind of similar. No, I'm yeah. not saying my wife is a is a bison or cow or anything like that but (laughs) you know somebody who's a vet it was thinking that who's listening to this you're not referencing your wife to a cow or to a bison we understand that yeah yeah (laughs) oh okay anyway so um how how long have you been active then with the with the the, the, the sorry with the bison? Thank you. Okay, so I've been active with the bison since uh, two thousand nine. So I bought this property in two thousand seven. Uh, that means I was with Sea Store for about a year at that time. So um, I bought this place as a corporal. Um, then in two thousand nine, I fenced off that eight acres uh, with a high tensile fence. Mm-hmm. And uh, then I did some market research at that time with the boys on base, was uh, the guys at Seasore. So I wanted to see if they would actually, what they preferred, bison or beef. So I slaughtered a beef cow, got them to try out the jerky, pepperettes, and the meat, and that sold out, no problem. Then I did the same with the bison, bought a bison, slaughtered it, and did the same. Um, but I had a higher. Um, more interest in the bison than I did the, the beef cattle because mm-hmm. bison was just better tasting. It had less marbling in the meat, which is great. Uh, that means it's just more meat. Um, when you say when you hear higher protein in a meat, it's fantastic is because once you eat that meat, you don't feel hungry afterwards. You're full for the rest of the night. Mm-hmm. That's what protein is supposed to do. So that's the other thing I love about bison meat. It keeps you full all the time. Like, uh, until your next meal, you're not snacking, you're snacking and you're snacking on vegetables, so on and so forth. So, but yeah, I've been, I've been active with the bison since 2009. And then, uh, I just got simply back into them about a year ago, year and a half ago. I picked up my, uh, second, my first, uh, well, yeah, my first official herd from, uh, Bison du, du Nac up in Earlton, Ontario. Um, I bought the four off of them, the one bull and three cows and, mm-hmm. And yeah, we're doing we're doing good with those guys. They're about two and a half right now. They shouldn't start breeding until they're about three three years old. So I shouldn't see any action out of them until this fall. If I see any youngins this spring, then then I know I gotta get my fencing up, my perimeter fencing up sooner than later. Yeah. So I can get them there. So <clears throat> first thing before I forget again, when you're yeah. using that drill pipe to do your <clears throat> fence, make yeah. sure it's blown out. Oh, yes. Because my, it, it kind of sounds obvious, but my wife has a fam, my wife, the wife's family farm is north of here. And they used to do bison and that was their primary thing until the hoof and mouth 
disease came through with all the cows, and I think it was like 98 or something like that. Um, anyway, they ended up having to call the herd. But they had, that's what they used for their fence, was old uh, service drill pipe. And I remember a couple of years ago, he's like, hey, could you, like, you know, help repair, repair this one section of fence, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, yeah, no problem. Went up there and got the drill pipe up. Didn't even think of just, like, poking my head down the barrel or down the uh, tube to check and see if it was plugged or not. I sat there, sp sparked up the cutting torch, and as soon as I pierced, I just, like, just started puking everywhere because it, it hit it um, the sulfur in the sand that was in there. It just, oh, my God, the smell was ridiculous. So just a word, a word from the wise. <laughs> Definitely, like I, I hope when I pick up this drill rod, it's all blown out because then that's just adding weight to my to my shipping shipping costs. Yeah. So, and I don't want that. Yeah. But okay. All right. But yeah, yeah, we're gonna start off small and and uh, do one field at a time, and we gotta get tile draining done on the farm here before we can even continue on uh, with uh, any fencing anyway. So. Once I get the um, towel drain done on the one 17-acre field and the other 20-acre field, then we'll be good to go. That should be around, I don't know, 30 grand, yeah. 30 grand in cost. So we're hopefully looking at getting that done this this year. So okay, and go from there. All right. How how big are you planning on growing your herd? Well, I do have 105 acres, so um, I'd like to get up to about 75 80 on this property so okay go from there what when do you but think you hit that goal oh it's going to be years man it's going to be years um gestation period on with bison versus uh, cows are identical so they're eight months so once the bull breeds the cow in eight months she'll give birth and just that cycle will continue so on mm -hmm. and so forth i just got to make sure that the calves don't. Uh, the calves are separated from their mothers at a year old, and they're in a different pen than their than their father and mothers. That's all. Okay. What happened? Same with their brother. What, why is that? Oh, yeah. Why is that? Because I don't want because I don't want the fathers uh, going after their daughters. It's just I want the genetics to stay clean. Oh yeah, that yeah that that was a stupid question. Good point. <laughs> it's not, it's not, nothing's a stupid question, man. Is it's just, if you're unaware, you're unaware. That's all. Yeah. It's one of those things, man. Yeah, no, I've never been around cattle farming in any capacity other than, oh, you cattle farm. Cool. High five. That's it. <laughs> so. I, hey, man, I, I know nothing of cattle. Like, you can, I know more about bison than, than I do cattle. So, and, and I wouldn't want to do cattle because they're just, their cost is too high to get into it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, you, you got your cattle, you're starting, you've, yeah, you've slaughtered one, at least one or two this year, right? What, the bison? Yeah, because I, on your social media, you're selling bison meat now. Yeah, we're selling bison meat, but we're not, we're not slaughtering anything from our herd. So our herd is here to grow, right? Yeah. So all of our, all of our meat that, uh, the meat bisons or meat bulls that we get, we get from uh, Bison du Nord. So we buy it all from them. So we buy it. Uh, we buy it live from them. They take it to a slaughterhouse in uh, Earlton for us. Mm -hmm. They slaughter it there. Then our meat uh, processor, he picks it up a couple days later, takes it, and cuts it up to what we want. 
And then if it uh, we make it into pep rice or jerky, then it gets shipped from, uh, like we went up here last Friday, we picked one up and shipped it down to uh, Warren, Ontario, so which is two hours away from them. So we shipped it there, we watched the slaughter, and then we just gave him our uh, cut list yesterday, what we wanted. Mm-hmm. So we're getting the brisket out of this one, um, the flank, tenderloin. Um, what is a clank? No, uh, flank. Oh, flank. Flank, flank steak. All right. Flank. Yeah. Sorry, I'll speak better English. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> we'll blame it on the connection. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, so the flank steak, the tenderloin, the uh, brisket, so on and so forth. The rest of it's going to get into made into pepperettes and jerky. So the jerky, we're getting made into four different flavors this time because we want to try out all four flavors. Pepperettes are getting made into hot and uh, sweet and spicy. So, all right. And who yeah. do you have like a a distrib a yeah a, a a distributor that you deal with solely, or do you do all that running around yourself? Or how, how does that work? Like how how do you get it to the final end consumer from there? Oh, so once everything's said and done, uh, once Creative Meats is done doing with uh, pepperettes and jerky, he'll ship that stuff uh, from himself to us through Herb. Then Herb will deliver it to us. We'll take bring the packaging in here. We'll put our labels on it, and then we'll uh, send it out to the store, our wholesalers and, and the confectionery stores or the stores that we are dealing with currently right now in our in our community. So our biggest um, one of our biggest suppliers, our biggest wholesalers, I should say, is uh, Borden Saucy. They're a veteran-owned, um, uh, uh, say, like a restaurant or uh, caterer kind of style, uh, food takeout, let's just say, uh, type of style of place in, in Petawawa. Okay. Um, she makes everything homemade. Uh, she makes everything fresh and new. Um, so they buy... All of our stewing meat and all of our all of our uh, ground buys in office most of the time. Nice. So every like every second bison, they're getting all the all the ground and all the stewing meat. Like this bison that we just got, like the, from the meat bowl, they took all the stewing meat and they took I think around 50, 50 pounds of uh, bison ground. So now we can just hit our wait list, and we're almost out of ground now because so many people want the bison ground. Mm-hmm. So. Okay, and how how, yeah. how much? Uh... How many pounds of meat are you pulling off, on average? Uh, average is between 300, 394 pounds to four hundred and thirty-five pounds. Okay, that's not bad. So, that's the, well, you know, that's a lot actually. That is a lot, yeah. Because the first, our first bison that we had, we only had the two freezers. Um, it filled both of them up. Um, and good thing that we, and like when we started selling meat last May. We sold uh, 80% of that uh, meat in, like, in three days. Like, it sold quickly. Wow. So we were, we were on the phone for another bison right away, so we had another bison, and that's what just that's what's keeping us going. Like, this COVID is actually working in our benefit. Like, it's, it's, it's helping everybody out, all the farmers out right now, because a lot of people can't get their meat through the grocery stores. Mm-hmm. So they're coming to park direct because it's easier for us. But also that put another... another um, Another hurdle for the farmers is that we only have one abattoir in Pembroke. So, and they're, if you want to get in there for, doesn't matter if it's beef or bison, he's filled up for the next year. So, 
there's other guys traveling two and a half, three and a half hours away, like down the Tweed or like myself up north to get stuff slaughtered because we can't get it done done down here because there's only one abattoir. So, hmm, sounds like a yeah. industry a vet should get into. <laughs> well, that's what Jess and I look. We have the we have all the appropriate paperwork to look looking at uh, building our own. Uh, plants here in the Whitewater region, mm-hmm. but that's just we want to see if it's going to be. I, we already know it's going to be financially feasible. Um, we just want to see how big of a plant that we actually need. So we're doing a lot of research right now on how big of a building we got to go. So next time we're up in uh, Earlton, Ontario, we're going to stop off at Matheson, Ontario, which is uh, an hour and a half, two hours away from um, Earlton, to take a look at their uh, abattoir there to see how big it is. Okay. And it's like me, I think it's only like three or four years old. Mm-hmm. So, but before we get into it, we would need to know like how many, how many cattle are we going to be slaughtering per day? How many bison per, per day or week or whatever? Yep. The bison is going to probably be one or two a week. The cattle is probably one every day, but also at the same time, you got to make sure that you have the freezer room or the cooler room to hold those carcasses in there because, um, those, and then those carcasses for the cattle, they have to hang there for 14 days. And after, so you got to make sure your cooler is big enough, right? So, yeah. how long do you, then you go ahead? Go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. Because oh, no, after that 14 days, then the first the first cattle or bison that was slaughtered, and well, say the first cow that was slaughtered 14 days, he's now going to the meat processor and they're cutting it up. So, you got to make sure that you have capable people on the inside that knows how to cut up cattle. Mm-hmm. compared to bison because you don't cut a bison the same as you would a cow for meat cuts it's all different okay um when you when 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 you slaughter the bison is there a like a, a hanging period as like there is with cattle or is it just are you able to go boom let it hang for like an hour or two get as much blood out as possible and then boom you're out the door um the hanging period that depends on the individuals uh places but what we found out on last friday is that if you let them hang more than like four days then you're going to lose a lot of shrinkage on them because there's hardly any fat on these animals right yeah so the reason why cattle hang for 14 days is because they got a lot of fat and a lot of water in them so just allowing that just to leave the body a little bit but with bison you don't want that you want like three or four days at the most and then you can cut them up and in, in into the cuts that you want okay yeah, because because I was thinking along the same, kind of along the same lines as an elk. Like I know some guys who are like, well, Todd Heisey, he the guy that I go hunting with. I'm pretty sure this year this the elk that his son got, they let it hang for like almost a week, and it just like everything just started shriveling up. Whereas me, like so Michael, his son, he shot his elk ten minutes after I shot mine out of the same herd, and. <clears throat> excuse me my my elk literally i we i left todd's drove down the highway for an hour and a half to the butcher which is like five minutes from my house dropped it off and literally he just went thank you what do you want for cuts this is what you want okay cool see you later and it went straight in to start getting processed well yeah and they're, 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 todd's like oh man ours is so dry and or we lost a lot of meat here and one thing and the other like that and it's like all right, but I don't know. Yeah, you lost a lot of meat because you let it hang too long. Like, you don't let it hang too long. The only thing, 
The only animals that are much leaner than bison is elk and uh, caribou. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So if you let your animal hang too long, you're gonna lose you're gonna lose uh, product out of it. Yeah, and like I heard some guys too, and it's, they're like, oh, I I only t- I let my elk hang for x amount of days and then once it starts to go like a like a black color you you cut that off and then you go for, and i'm sitting there i'm like you're losing so much fucking meat like dude like come on so but anyway yeah anyway back back to talking about you um <laughs> so are, are you gonna build your your um butchering facility on the at the farm or are you gonna look at a second location no, we're, that's what we're looking at into. That's what we're looking into right now because uh, when we went up to Creative Meats there last uh, last week, last Friday, um, that opened up our eyes a lot because the, the inspector that was there, he actually was asking us questions, and I told him, I said, plain out and simple. I said, I don't know what I'm going to build. I said, first things first, I want to educate myself on this whole process, and I need to know the, the freezer, the cooling, the cooling area that I'm going to need regarding the the size of the kill room, the size of the plant, the size of my meat processing plant. Like, can I have my meat processing plant and abattoir together? I could. But if I had my abattoir separate from my meat processing plant, my processing plant, it would be governed from from the health unit in in the township compared to Omafra, so on and so forth. But we want to get into, like, jerky and pepperettes, so... We might as well have that uh, meat processing plant together with the abattoir, mm-hmm. and just so once the inspector comes in, they're inspecting everything. They're inspecting the smoker, the meat processing, and so on and so forth. And then we'll hopefully have a an on on farm store where people can buy their their bison meat or their beef from us, whatever. And then we'll just go from there. If we require to have something up in Petawawa, which would probably do very well out there because of the military guys, then then we'll do so. Yeah. Okay. But, but the main like, the main thing that got me into the bison is when I was um, up in Wainwright in 2003. I was just at the end of the uh, X was uh, was done. I was uh, waiting for my tractor trailer to get loaded. Uh, seeing guys come out of Miko like handful of stuff, and one guy is like, "Yeah, look at all this jerky. I'm gonna be able to sell it to the guys on their way home." And and he did. He made triple his money. And it was all jerky, right? So I was like. Yeah, I gotta get into something like that so I have constant income after the military and so on and so forth. So nice. That's the other reason. Yeah, yeah. I'm not here to rip anybody off, but at least uh, at least now the guys on base can get uh, the Wainwright experience without going to Wainwright, you know? Because that's a mid. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I, I I told you this story when we were on the phone too, but like it's I remember sitting there and they're like, you can't take that on the plane, and it's like, what are you talking about? I got like a big bag of jerky, and it's just like. Well, looks like I'm going to have to wolf this down by the time I was done. Like, I was sitting there, and, like, I couldn't talk for, like, a few days. My jaw was so fucking sore. <laughs> but, yeah, we got a place here um, that they do their jerky, and it's it's a, it's close to what they got up in Wainwright, but it's not the same, if you know what no. I mean. So, yeah, I know what you mean. Like, it, it depends... A lot of people's jerky is different because it depends on how long you let it dehydrate you or how long you're gonna let it do its thing, right? You gotta you gotta know the it's a science. Yeah. You gotta know the right time, the right chewiness that you want, and what your customers want when you pull it out. Yeah. Cool. So 
And uh, the best jerky I ever had was all muscle jerky, not that uh, ground beef jerky, like that ground beef jerky or whatever it is. That's just gross. Like, yeah. no, I don't like that. So, yeah, no, I'll I, never. I, I, I hear you there. But anyway. Um, okay, so what advice do you have for people who are looking at or even what advice do you have for guys who are looking at retiring and are thinking about farming, whether it's bison or cattle, just on the farming aspect of it, what advice would you give the guys? Well, first of all, first things first is like, make sure that you, if you don't have a farming background, educate yourself on farming background. Like be sure you know what you're getting yourself into. Like you're going to have days that, you're gonna have the equipment break down on you on a on a Sunday, right? And there's no stores open, no nothing. You're gonna have you're gonna need spare parts. But Murphy's law runs on a farm constantly. What can happen will happen. Okay, mm-hmm. that's plain and simple. But also at the same time, uh, a lot of military guys don't pick the agricultural sector to go into is because they're they don't know how to get into it, or it's too expensive to get into. If you want to buy a, a dairy farm now. It's over a million dollars. So There's a million and a half or two million dollars. Um, if you want to get into beef cattle, uh, beef cattle, it's up for up around a million bucks. If you want to get into meat chickens, um, like a um, like a like those meat chickens that they sell to like a Kentucky Fried Chicken or whatever, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's expensive. The brewer farms, whatever they're called. That's expensive to get into, man. That's over a million bucks too. Like, like you're getting into those big factories, but also at the same time, you have to have a business plan and understand where where you're going to be making your money back. Like, you're buying the whole farm. When you're paying a million and a half, you're buying the whole farm. You're buying the tractors, the 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 milk quota, and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. Okay. And uh, yeah, but honestly, where the money is is uh, having is meat processing that's where the money is like a lot of people don't understand that like you can make your money back tenfold in and how you do your meat cuts and meat processing like the abattoir is there like a cost 150 to 200 dollars to kill an animal but it's your processing 60 cents here 60 cents there 90 cents there like it all adds up but at the same time if you're a good butcher and you're a good meat processor People are gonna always come back to you because you know your cuts. As long as you keep like our steaks, our steaks are all one inch thick. No way fans or butts, and they're one pound. We don't want with all the smaller ones. I'm even giving my my processor a hard time sometimes. It's like this is too small, man. Make them into like a, a pound, you know? Yeah. And he's like, well, he's like, after they're out of the vacuum sealed bag, they are about that. And I said, and I did, and he's right. They are about that. So I'll stop breaking his balls. So. But, but I'm learning. He's teaching me, and he's more than one. He's he's already told Janice and I that we can go up there at any time and uh, get on the cutting floor with him, and he's going to teach us how to, on how to cut one of our own bisons up the next time we get uh, we order one. So, so that'd that's be, probably going to be sometime in March. Yeah. So that'd be good to know. That'd be really good to know. Well, yeah, it is really good to know. Like, um, like uh, even. The Bearded Butchers, I don't know if you heard of those guys on YouTube or anything like that. They're out of Ohio, um, but uh, they're only they're only like nine hours away from us here. 
Uh, they're on just on the other side of Niagara Falls. But they have a great uh, video on the difference between beef versus bison or bison versus beef. Mm-hmm. And it shows you shows you the huge difference. The difference between bison and beef, it's, it's a huge difference. It's, it's a great difference. So this is why people want bison over beef is because because there's less fat in it. Yeah. How how much is your is the bison sector growing? Like do you, do you think it's it's going to get to a point within the next 10 years where you can walk into like a supermarket and it's just like, "Oh, hey, I can, I got I got like, you know, a, a cow roast." And then you look right beside, "Oh, there's bison." And it'd be as convenient for people to get bison like that or like what 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 are you projecting? Well, I hope it stays on the farm. Like, I hope most farmers keep the bison uh, on their farms because it should stay on the farms. It should never go into uh, big sectors like the um, IGAs and so on and so forth because they're the middleman, right? They're now, well, we, we become the middleman then. They're going to try to cut us out because all they want is they want quantity. They want quantity and they're going to get the quantity. And then all of a sudden, when people don't buy it, then all that food is going to waste. You don't want that. Like, look what happened during COVID. Like, look at how many grocery stores couldn't keep up with the demand, right? Yeah. Because all the big Cargill slaughterhouses, they were getting COVID, so on and so forth. They were closing down. They had all these big guys are shutting us, us little farmers out. And it's just not right. I hope, I hope that people can still get bison on farms, which you can, because there's, uh, I think there's 33 uh, bison farmers or something like that in Ontario. Okay. If I stand, so they're all belong to the uh, Ontario Bison Association. So if you go onto the Canadian Bison Association's website, you'll see all the different uh, provinces up there: British Columbia, Saskatchewan, Manitoba, um, Ontario, Quebec. And then once you press on Ontario, you'll see all these other uh, all these other bison farms where they are, where you can buy your meat, who sells meat, and who doesn't sell meat. It'll, it'll say that. Mm-hmm. Okay. So on the on on the Ontario Bison Association, like I hope it's I, I I'm not saying there's already people out there selling their bison to big grocery stores and all that out west. You know, more power to them. But I think it should stay on the farms, and the farmers should. That's how small farms are going to survive, mm-hmm. especially here in Ontario. It's selling to the consumer, because I don't think you know, like Costco, they don't care about little guys like us. They don't. They, they they want the mass. But. They want the mass. They want to make their, their like through this whole COVID. Who's been making money? Costco, all the big box stores. Not us farmers. Us farmers are just staying afloat, right? Yeah. So, and thank God we have you know our consumers around here that we have because without them we wouldn't be able to survive. Yeah. Plain and simple. But. When we started selling meat here last May, we didn't know how big how big of a hit we would be like uh, selling bison meat. I knew there's people in the area that wanted bison meat, but man, we sold like we had 395 94 pounds of bison meat. We sold 80% in 3 days. But that's pretty good. Oh yeah. Like and it's been like that ever since. Like we, a lot of people here want the bison and they love the bison and it's do, just fantastic. Do you how do you advertise? Word of mouth, or do you have like a marketing team or individual? No, no. Uh, the marketing team is Janice and myself, but mostly Janice and myself. But uh, we we do uh, 
uh, ads on on Instagram, uh, Facebook. Oh yeah, we do posts on Facebook and Instagram, not ads. And then yeah, we don't pay for anything. We don't pay for ads or nothing. And then I started going to TikTok, so I could put the music to my videos and so on and so forth, and try to be somewhat funny. It's not. Uh, it's worth. Some videos are better than others, but you know, it is what it is. But that's how we do. 90%, that's how we do a, a, about a hundred percent of our our stuff is all over social media. Okay. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. And it's surprising. I'm, we're actually very, very pleasantly surprised to see like uh, the reaction that we got from the community, which is great. And that's what we want. And we're here to stay. Like I'm, I'm here to cater to the the civilian population and also to the military people. Mm-hmm. You know, the troops, troops first. The, Troops in their communities, first and foremost, plain and simple. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, I have an- you've answered everything that I could think of to go. Did, did we? Is there anything specifically that you would like to hammer on and cover? or? Uh, just just uh, for the word of advice for the guys that are getting into it, like if they're seriously going to get into it, educate yourself on what you want to do. And if you find an abattoir that's for sale, um, definitely educate yourself on the ins and outs of it before you, you buy it because you're going to have some good inspectors, you're going to have some bad inspectors, but also at the same time, the inspectors are there to help you, not to, to screw you over. Mm-hmm. And that's one thing I like about civilian street versus military. They don't hang you. If you want to learn, they'll teach you. <laughs> well, they'll actually mentor you, unlike the military. They don't mentor shit. Yeah. So, okay. But anyways... Enough fashion on that one. Yeah. So. All right. Well, how how can people? Actually, here's a question for you. What is the radius that you can serve? So, if somebody was in like, let's say, Mattawa, from where you are, could they, could they order from you? Could somebody order from the Sioux? Could somebody order from Carnarvon, Ontario? Like. Well, right right now we're we're. Right now we're just doing like Ottawa, Ottawa to Chalk River and so on and so forth. But if someone did, we have people in Kingston, Ontario, ordering from us. We meet them in Carlton Place. I still have to look. I have to buy a a, a refrigerated delivery van, mm-hmm. so I'm looking at buying the sink and packs. Um, so I'll be getting a used a used refrigerated van because I'm not for, I'm not going to go out and buy a sixty sixty thousand dollar van and then uh, not do deliveries. But one thing I'm having a hard time finding is an actual delivery um, service that will actually allow me to deliver from here to the Sioux or to other places that will keep my meat frozen and stay frozen at that same time. I don't want to use Canada Post. I don't want to be using Curlator. I don't want to be using – I want to be using somebody else. But also, if I use Herb, I got to phone Herb and see if they can deliver to all these other, other towns. But also, at the same time – they usually uh, go from uh, farms to abattoirs to grocery stores, not to people's houses. Okay. You know what I mean? Yep. So, so this is why I'm looking at uh, trying to find a, a smaller delivery service that's refrigerated that w- would do these stops. And I'm, I may have to buy my own vehicles and do that on my own, which is going to be a little expensive. But, yeah, as an MSC op, I can get it done because I have a logistic background. They get that done. So, okay. It just comes down to money. That's all it comes down to. And, and and for anybody that's listening, just 
and they want meat from us, just be patient. In due time, we will get there. Okay. So, and we do travel. Like I will travel in my in my one-ton truck. I travel down the Carlton Place. I travel to Ottawa. I'll travel to Mattawa. If people want the meat, I'll sell it to them. There's no issues about it, man. Okay. Yeah, we went to Ferguson, Ontario there last last year too. So, and sold some meat down there. Okay. We have cooler. So. Yeah. All right. Good to know. Good to know. Um, if it can be done, if it can be done, we'll get it done. If I, if it's going to be too expensive to get a van, then I'll look at getting a, a refrigerated cooler out of Ottawa. I'll rent it, and then I'll just uh, put that towards the, the business, and I'll get that money back later on. Yeah. So. All right. How can people get a hold of you if they want to uh, order? Social media. So they can get a hold of us on our uh, White Pine Bison page on Facebook or Instagram, and that's and put your order through there. Awesome. Our website, our website will be up soon enough. Uh, we are currently starting to work on that since we got our year end done. We're going to finish on our website, and we should have our website up here in hopefully what a couple of days, maybe a week or so. Hmm. So. Okay. Cool. Groovy. All right. Well, I think that's a good spot to put a pin in it. Unless there's anything yeah. we missed? No, I don't think so. I think we got everything. All right. Groovy. Well, thank you very much for coming on the show. I appreciate it. Um, if you got anybody who's listening, if you want to get a hold of uh, Derek, you know how to get a hold of him, White Pine Bison on Instagram and Facebook. If you want to get a hold of me, if you have any questions, uh, the Veteran Welding Podcast on Instagram. You can email me at chris at veteranwelding.com. And that's it. Uh, until the next time, guys, we will catch you later. Have a good one and stay focused. Vetra Welding is your go-to site for your off-road fabrication needs. Need some race-tested brackets, tabs, and trusses for your daily driver, weekend trail rig, or your full tube chassis? Veteran Welding has you covered. Need advice on which parts you should use for your project rig? Veteran Welding has you covered. Or do you want to learn how to weld but you can't find anybody to teach you because you really want to start expanding your skill set for either work or your personal projects at home, Veteran Welding now has you covered with our online courses. Currently, we offer a TIG 101 course and we'll be adding a MIG 101 soon. For all of your off-road fabrication needs, head on over to veteranweldingcompany.ca. Hey everybody, if you're enjoying this show, please consider heading over to Patreon and supporting this channel doesn't matter how much you decide to support us with, it all goes straight into the show so we can sit there and spend more time on here helping you guys out, whether it's bringing you more interviews, talking to industry leaders, systems that we are developing, putting into place, helping you develop systems, manage your team. That's what we're here for, guys, is to help you out. So please, if you are getting value out of this, head on over to Patreon and help support us. I want to say a thank you to our sponsor, Canada Welding Supply. If you guys are in the market for anything in the welding industry, head on over to canadaweldingsupply.ca. We use them for all of our consumables here at the shop. Everything from MIG wire, TIG wire, grinding discs, zip discs, flap wheels, buffing wheels, you name it, they have it. Matt Crimmy and the entire team there are phenomenal, they're knowledgeable, and I highly recommend canadaweldingsupply.ca for all of your consumable needs.